I would enjoy punching a lot of people in the head. Hi, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the poet Harry Josephine Giles, and my poetry skeptic slash expert is Helena, a music lover with her own weekly mental health podcast. Hello, Harry Josephine. Hiya, good morning. Thank you for coming to talk to me about poetry today. Oh, it's a pleasure, anytime. Because this is a podcast aimed at beginners to poetry. I want to begin by asking you, what is a poet? What is your day-to-day life as a poet like? (laughs) Well, I think a poet is just somebody that pays a lot of attention to language and how language is put together. Um, I I write across a whole range of genres. So I write in in poetry and theatre and games. Um, And at the moment, for example, I am part of a writer's room on a video game. And I try and bring like a poet's attention to that, which is like how how finely crafted is the language? Are all the words always getting put in the right order? How can you do something sort of interesting with the way that words are put together? So that's all that I put. I mean, a poet is just a fancy word for a writer, really, isn't it? But maybe it's a writer that's <laughs> particularly interested in like the craft of language and the nuts and bolts of language. Okay, so... What about before you were a poet? What was your life like before you started writing poetry or writing anything, maybe? I genuinely don't remember. I've been a writer for as <laughs> long as I can remember. I've always been like telling stories and writing down stories. And I've always been performing as well, whether that's in theatre or storytelling or something else. So that just is my life and it always was my life. And it, 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 the only change that happened was that at some point I thought, well, I should try and make a living off this because it's what I like doing the most. And that's what I've tried to build up in the last 10 years. So it, it's my so, job and sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's exciting, just like any other job. So you don't have a particular moment when you were introduced to poetry or writing, because I'm interested in why some people get interested in certain things and other people don't. But I, it sounds like you just always we're into it (laughs) there must have been a moment at some point but it's always felt like it's the thing that I'm supposed to do yeah that's lovely so your latest poetry collection is called the games so do you think poetry should be fun always yeah it's partly (laughs) that I think poetry should be fun I like poems with jokes I like poems that 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 have a nice time with the audience that are that are in that kind of um well, yeah, a fun relationship with the audience. But I also think that a poem is a kind of game. And and the, the book does have some things that are kind of more explicitly games in it, but it also has like game playing with language and, and different things that you can do with language. What happens if you try to write a poem that's only got one vowel in it is a, a silly game. Um, some there's some translations in there and translations is another kind of game and there's some scripts in there and scripts are another kind of game and all the game is is like a set of rules that you arbitrarily follow you know why do you have to move the same number of spots as on the dice in Monopoly why do there have to be so and so many syllables in a line of a poem it's just a game because when you play the rules like something interesting comes out of it sometimes 
Do you have a favorite non-poetry related game, like a board game or something? Oh, why? Um, <laughs> do you know what? My favorite board game was the board game Pandemic. I love oh that God. game. Um, <laughs> Because it's very finely tuned and it's a cooperative board game. So, you know, like your competitive muscles don't get too over-exercised and it's all about like trying to get people working together to do something good in the world. Uh, but I haven't played it since living through an actual pandemic and I can't bear to play it anymore because it's it's not an abstraction anymore. So, and I feel a little bit ashamed. Um, the real pandemic ruined the game. It did, and which, you know, um, so now I'm looking <laughs> for another new favourite board game. <laughs> okay, I'll have a think for you. <laughs> okay, and also, you said poetry should be fun. Do you find writing poetry fun? Because it seems like a lot of the time it's a sort of experiment from the description in the back of the book that says sort of, I did this by responding to this, or like using words for carrots and things like that. Do you find writing it actually fun? Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's tedious. Sometimes it's long, confusing, hard work. Sometimes it's very frustrating, but like if it were never fun, I wouldn't do it. So I, I do have fun some of the time. And I I often find that this, the first bit is fun where it first starts falling out. And then I have to go into like a long, tedious thing where I'm like, chipping away at it and shaping it around and I have a kind of sort of sculptural imagination when it comes to poetry I'm always thinking like what do I have to chip away at what do I have to refine and then right towards the end it starts getting fun again because it kind of goes through this 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 awkward bit and then when everything starts to fall together and you can see that the thing has become the thing that it was always meant to be that that then I get like a, a delight in it yeah do you, how important is how it looks on the page? Because some of them seem to be almost like artwork, how they're arranged on the page. Yeah, I'm a very visual poet. I used to, I used to really um, do a lot of performance poetry. I don't, I don't kind of do, do so much of what I would call performance poetry now, although I, I, I like performing. Um, and I think that always, that something that that gave me is that I never thought of the page as like a static thing or, writing a poem on the page is having to fall in a particular way because when I first started writing poems on the page I was trying to think about um, how do I represent what's happening with my voice or what's happening on the stage and uh, on this two-dimensional object and so I started getting very individual poetry and 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 you know moving around where words could be on the page and how they worked with that like blank space and yeah so it's so yeah I think you can do exciting things with that whole space like it's not just line 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 there's this space that you can well play around in again yeah play around but then in your poems I think it sounds like sound is equally important because you use language so interestingly like your poems are written themselves in so many different languages, whether it's English or a Scots sort of dialect, or is it an Orkney dialect? Um, and even like using scientific language or using computer-generated algorithms. So do you think the sound or the meaning, do you think sometimes the sound is more important than the meaning? How important is understanding the meaning of a poem? Mm. So there was a question there about like the link between sound and space, and then there's a link between sound and meaning, right? 
Um, whew. Uh, so, so on the first one, like I think about sound and space is, is sort of is really connected and is kind of the same thing, um, because they're both about the physicality of a word. Like a word does, it's not it's not just a meaning. It's not just like an intellectual thing that that lives in your brain. It's a thing that lives in your mouth and it's a thing that lives in the air. Um, and 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 one thing that you can do with the page is, is trying to give that word a bit of life that you know when we're just reading words on the page we can assume a lot of stuff about them or it's easier to kind of see through them and not think about them as objects but if you if you just change the size of the word or if you change if you put the word in a place where it's not supposed to be then you're looking at the word again you're looking at it in a new way and that kind of makes the word itself a thing. I don't, yeah, maybe that makes some kind of sense. It's 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 trying to draw attention to the word as an object, so sound and space, part of the same But sometimes thing. it's not even a word. Like, can you, have you got the book there? Can you read one of the We Are Rain poems? Oh, so so the We Are Rain poems <laughs> generate, I, I wrote a Twitter bot to make rain sounds because it, it pleased me. And, um, and I put some of them in the book. I'll find a good one. Okay, this is a hard one, so I'll try and do this one and see if it works, but <laughs> I haven't done this in ages. We are rain. <laughs> don't know if that'll record on Zoom, but there we go. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> So what about, say, a person who doesn't read any poetry or doesn't think they're clever enough to understand maybe some of your games, what would you say to them about, would you encourage them to give reading your poems a try? Um, I would say, I mean, definitely for my poems, um, a lot of them are meant to be silly. Um, and sometimes there's no meaning to it other than the silliness. And that's true of other poets as well. Um, it's okay to find it's okay to find a poem silly and for that to be enough. It's really good to laugh at a poem. Um, and oh, sometimes if you're struggling to uh, understand what a poem means, but you kind of want to try reading it aloud, because often it'll make more sense in your mouth and in your tongue than sitting by itself on the page. So that's always worth a go. Then if you don't like it, just let it go and try another one. We don't like every song that we hear on the radio. You know, we don't like every television programme that we watch. If you read one poem and don't like it, read a different one. That is my philosophy, exactly. <laughs> so, Harry Josephine, although you are an expert at writing poetry, clearly, you're not an expert on your own poems because you're too close to them, you know? You're too close. So I'm going to take your poem, as I've told you, Bloom, to be examined by maybe someone who doesn't read much poetry, which I think is the perfect reader for a poem. Are you scared about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> no, I'm always a little bit afraid of how it's going to come across to people. And will they think I'm a terrible person for writing it? Well, we'll see. We'll see what our we will. reader thinks of it. Would you be able to read it for me? But before you do... Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Are we ready? Bloom. Oh, 
God, for you the feral beauty of punching a fascist in the head. For you the bruise is unfolding orgasm, the humiliation is scented whips. If when you watch you want to come, that's okay, God. Touch yourself. Vow to learn to land that touch with the merciless precision of a blue-tongued skink's blue tongue, a tennis ace's ace, a Mallymac chick's projectile filth, this is the dance you need, the sprint, the vigour. And when you're done, run the fascist off the street with fists where vital and kiss me. Hi, Helena. Hello. Okay, thank you for coming to talk to me today. Firstly, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? It takes me back to higher English, um, being somewhat petrified. I guess one of the, my fond memories was being introduced to Spike Milligan um, as a sixth year or fifth, sixth year, just because it kind of opened up a bit of a new world for me. But Generally, um, I found it quite stuffy and, um, yeah, quite intimidating. Why do you think that is? Um, I think some, I think certainly when I was younger, um, the way in which kind of maybe the English curriculum was taught and the kind of style of school that I went to, it maybe wasn't as um, explorative and open-minded and liberal as things are now. Whereas um, I think that, obviously through music and lyrics that's when I kind of really started to um that's the kind of poetry that I'm into but when you talk about traditional poetry or, or like authors and so on um I think it was just the the terms of language making you feel a somewhat not feeling you don't want to feel stupid in case you um you turned it into a meaning that just meant nothing it was you know not not what it was meant to be and I think that that was the difference for me with with music lyricism. You can always adapt it to yourself, and that's what people want you to do. Whereas poets can be, I think, a bit uh, protective of their work sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. I like that. I think that's how it should be with poetry too. But it's definitely not how we're taught at school at no. all. Um, okay, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so um, I am uh, I've, I'm a music writer, a podcast producer, and I work with um, two collectives that focus very much on um, black and um, people of colour within Scotland, and that's Dardishi and We Are Here Scotland. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's a very exciting time, I guess. And what about in your spare time? How do you relax? Um. So it, for me, it's I, I love the outdoors. It's I've been on quite a mental health journey over several years. So I've just been over the last uh, kind of six months, a lot of it's been like kind of breathing and so on. Um, but music, music dictates pretty much everything I do. And that is my heart and soul, I guess. Mm -hmm. OK, and I'm going to ask you a question, which I've asked everyone. 
would you consider yourself an expert in anything? And it could be anything from like peeling potatoes or karaoke, or maybe it's breathing since you've been doing a lot of breathing recently. Um, I'm an expert in panic attacks. That's what I'm oh, an expert really? in. Really? Yeah. You, you mean like if someone has one, you know what to do? If I have them, if someone else has them, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> okay, wow. That's, that is a good thing to be an expert in. Not if you have them. It's the not, time, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. It's, it's beautiful in the way that I can kind of help others. But when I have them, it's full on meltdown. <laughs> So, but at least you know what to do yeah someone. yeah I've I've learned the skills now okay great well for today hopefully no one will be having any no. attacks um you are our poetry expert okay <laughs> that was a good reaction okay so we're gonna look at the poem bloom by harry josephine giles so can you read it out for me of course um, oh God, for you the feral beauty of punching a fascist in the head, for you the bruise as unfolding orgasm, the humiliation as scented whips. If when you watch you want to come, that's okay. God, touch yourself with your hand, God. Vow to learn to land that touch with the merciless precision of a blue tongue skinks, blue tongue, a tennis ace's ace, a Malamac chick's projectile filth. This is the dance you need, the sprint, the vigor, and when you're done, run the fascist off the street with fists where vital and kiss me. Okay, thank you. Very well read. Uh, what are your first impressions of this poem? So obviously there's, um, there's quite a lot of kind of sexual, uh, either innuendo or, uh, you know, wording in there. But I, I have read it a couple of times and for me, it's almost as if it's um, comparing, it's like you're getting so excited about violence that you can almost comparing it to, to sex and using various things in order to explain that violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've read it a few times. You've had a think about what's going on. I've read it loads of times and I still don't really know what's going on. <laughs> but <laughs> it's quite shocking, isn't it? And I think it's it's shocking partly just because you're not expecting it. So what can you describe to the viewers, uh, the listeners, sorry, what it looks like because they, they can't actually see. What does the poem look like? It's It's very compact. So the, the text, there's hardly uh, any space really to it. Um, the punctuation is insane. Um, and <laughs> just the, um, the amount of syllables in the words, the words, so things like the tennis ace is ace to read is an actual nightmare. So is a blue tongue skinks blue tongue. So there's repetition in there as well, but Overall, there, there's things in there that I didn't, I, well, I don't actually like a Malamac. I have no idea. I, I'm presuming it's a bird, but I have no yeah. idea what it is. This poet is from Orkney and um, that's, I think that's the type of bird you find in Orkney. Okay. So yeah, so it's very, it's a small poem. I sent you a picture of the poem, but if you saw it on a whole page, it kind of, it just looks like a little box on like this whole blank white page. And you just, you're just not expecting this little compact poem to be packing such a punch, as it were, no. as, as this one. And I really like that about it. And also the title, Bloom, what do you think that's about? 
I mean, I guess I don't know if it's to do with uh, the kind of unfolding or the explosion of mm-hmm. um, of whatever is happening here. God's mentioned quite a few times, um, so I, I don't know. But I, I guess Bloom. I mean, I, I, he mentions the Malamat chick, which I presume is a, a small life. Is it? Is it growth? Um, and then you go on to sex. And when you think about flowers and their the stamen and and so on like that, I mean, I'm going proper deep here, but um, you you can then maybe go right, okay, um, a flower growing, the vulva, all these types of things yeah. could be associated. Yeah, and also they talk about the bruise unfolding. You can kind of think of a bloom of like a bruise coming through. Kind yeah, of that sort of that's that's kind of a nice image, kind of horrible but nice. Yeah. Um, okay, what would you say the tone of this poem? Actually, I was going to tell you that because you mentioned that it was a bit of a tongue twister. The the book that this poem is from is called The Games. So that gives you a sense of of the sort of um, poems that are in this book. There's there's a lot of word play and things like that going on. Okay. But yeah, what would you say was the tone? Would you say it was angry, sarcastic, romantic? What would you? So it starts off as quite angry um, for me, anyway. That's the way I interpret. But then it almost turns into a romanticism for me. Um, it, it's almost sandwiched the romanticism between anger. Um, but for, it's 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 quite fascinating um, the way that that's balanced throughout. And just the the mixture of words that they're so contradictive in terms, you know, with fists swear vital and kiss me. So, you know, you don't know whether that is forced or whether that is inviting or, you know. Okay, yeah. So you get a sort of mixed messages about what the tone is. Yeah. And I guess you just have to, in that case, you just kind of have to decide how you read it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could read it in a multiple multitude of different ways. Yeah. I suppose it depends on your mood. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Because if you're in like a, a really like jokey mood, you'll just be like, ha, this poem is ridiculous. Yeah. And if you were like, I don't know, if if you've maybe had some sort of experience, maybe if you've been punched in the face before, you might think, hey, um, what do you think when you see the word fascist? What do you think of? So in terms of fascist, um, oh God, it's really difficult here. So clearly it's there's, there's a lot of, of anger directed towards the fascist. Um, or a fascist or whatever, the fascist, however it's positioned within this. Clearly, they are the enemy for me anyway. That's the way that I interpret it. But is it the fascist in the kind of dictionary uh, meaning that we, you know, or is it is it term for, for someone else? So, yeah, I, I guess I'm not really too sure. Okay, but what about for you? If someone says fascist, what what do you immediately think of? Well, it's in the conventional term of how we, you know, society views a fascist um, and someone that is just completely toxic. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's interesting what you said 
about, um, yeah, you don't know who this particular fascist is. In the same way that we don't know who God is yeah. in this, in this um, poem and also in real life, I guess. Um, when they say, when they address God, who are they actually addressing? That's what I don't know. And in a way, it could be just the reader of the poem, couldn't it? Yeah. This is who they're talking to when you read the poem. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of like they're inviting the reader because no one's actually getting punched in the face in this poem. They're just saying, for you, the feral beauty of punching a fascist in the head. It, it's not a poem about someone getting punched. It's a poem about someone imagining punching someone. Really. Yeah. Yeah. The feeling of it. Um, so would you like the... Do, would you enjoy this feeling of punching a fascist in the head is my question to you. I would enjoy punching a lot of people in the head um, if I'm mm-hmm. completely honest. But um, I, it's, so I'm not, I don't really condone violence, I have to say, mm-hmm. but there's this thing in our, if, if, we're, if I'm looking at it in, in, in this term, we have these fleeting thoughts through our heads that are completely inhumane at times. We can't control them but we think them and we have that urge sometimes just to do something that's completely ridiculous. Um, And I think we have that imagination. We sometimes do want to, well, I would certainly want to, you know, I've imagined punching a fascist in the head. Of course I have, I'm not going to deny that, (laughs) but it's not going to say that I'm actually going to go and do it. So I think there's almost that kind of that fantasy and weirdly that's got a romanticism attached to it as well. So yeah, very odd. I really like that. I think, yeah, I agree. I I wouldn't actually like to punch someone in the head, but I like to imagine punching them in the head and it's almost as good as actually doing it. If you feel, if you imagine it, if you've got a good imagination and obviously I mean, I've watched a lot of movies. I've imagined being Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot of times. And it's just really fun, isn't it? So I think, because I think some people could look at this poem and go, oh, it's a very violent poem. But I don't think so. I I think it's imagining a bit of violence, but it's not actually doing any. It's mostly just masturbating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or telling someone else to masturbate. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so also when it says so it, it does the the punching bit and then so the punching bit is like one line basically two lines and then the rest of it is if you want if when you watch you want to come that's okay god touch yourself and the rest of it is pretty much seems to be about that yeah I suppose it's like uh, I don't know if it's climaxing now that you're mentioning about the masturbation <laughs> and so on um, yeah, the project Malimachik's projectile filth. Um, oh God! Yeah, so I'm, my yeah, I can, I'm now picturing things, which is not good. Um, no. But a tennis is a tennis ace is ace. Um, I guess that's like yes, yeah. There's so many things now that are coming through, which is is good. Yeah. So I guess what we're saying is. And I mean, a lot of people listening might have different interpretations of it, but our reading of this is that imagining punching a fascist in the head is sort of comparable to an orgasm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, great. Magic. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Okay. I, I hadn't come, I hadn't thought of that in, in my many reads of this poem. So <laughs> I think us just working it out together um, has come to this. Now I can close this p- book, close this poem away and, <laughs> and not think about it for a while. <laughs> But yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. It's okay. No, thank you. <laughs> um, how do you feel? Will you look at poetry any differently after this? I think definitely after this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this has been a, a, a real eye-opener. Um, but Not all poems are like this. No, no, no. But I, 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 do you know, it's, it's good to be able to discuss it with someone, I think. And I think that that is something that um is maybe I sadly miss about school um is that even though it was maybe a bit more um structured you were still able to to kind of debate and so on and offer your your different point of view so it's really nice just to sit to be able to kind of really dissect it and go through bringing it back to music as well you were saying about how when you you listen to a song you have your interpretation of what's going on you often like you kind of make up that your own lyrics for it even sometimes yeah. if you don't know the actual lyrics and you, you also really connect it to like certain times in your life and things like that so if you ever talked to someone else about that exact same song they might have a completely different idea of it than you do and I would say that's the same for poetry like it's very 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 personal yeah what you take from a poem yeah totally and I I would be really interested to hear what other people get from this as well um yeah because it's fascinating great well thank you very much for coming that's it no thank you Annie join the conversation to read the poem in full go to www.time41poem that's with the numbers 4 and 1.wordpress.com and comment with your own interpretation of the poem. This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening.